Hello, and welcome to a properly scaled 223rd episode of the Nurse Travaganza podcast, where this week we consider just how much size matters when it comes to fiction. I'm Tom. I'm Brian. And I'm Kim. And as always, we remind you to check us out on iTunes, where we appreciate all the stars and good reviews you can throw our way. With that said, let's get on with our show with our weekly geekly, geekly weekly update. Brian, why don't you fill the world in on what you've been up to? I had a pretty busy weekend. Um, It was only a one-day event, but I had to spend Saturday getting ready for it. Uh, Anime EY Mini was uh, last Sunday. Hmm. That's... uh, Kind of a new con, not not really an old con. It's, I guess, like drama happened and a con like ceased to be, and then other people continued, like the spirit of that con with a new name. So, uh, pretty neat little thing. Uh, one of my like favorite con groups, if if not one of my favorite cons, because that was the first one. Uh, was there with Lester. Took lots of photos. Lots of cosplay. I, I I like to see people cosplaying. I uh, I know cosplay has become this thing, and now everybody's a professional, and everybody has you know thousand dollar suits and everything. I just like to see people dress up for the weekend. I, I think that's a lot of fun, and there was a lot of that. That sounds cool. So a lot of people just enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. Not not you know, hundreds of dollars in a suit that you can't move or. You know, you're afraid it's going to get torn or anything like that. Just, just people, you know, dress as their favorite character, enjoying the, the event. Um, lots of fun. Lots of fun. Cool. Um, between that and the next thing, I, uh, I wanted to kind of get in the mood for a spacefaring PlayStation 4 games, and it was, it was free on PlayStation. Plus this this uh, month, has anybody heard of Rebel Galaxy? Mm, I don't think I have. It's uh it's interesting. It is a space based like you're a pirate game. So it it's it's a little bit Starfly uh, uh, Firefly y. You know, you've got this beat up old ship and you're flying around trying to make a name and do all these missions, but it's it's really really clearly like an actual like pirate skin because your ship is on a 2D plane and can only fire on its broadsides for most ah. so <laughs> i don't know why they just didn't make it like you know corsairs and and privateers but a uh, l- lot of personality terrible game i i did not enjoy that <laughs> But that did uh, prepare me, I guess. That got me in the mood for uh, No Man's Sky, yeah. which I've been looking forward to for almost three years now. Mm. Uh, very excited about that. Uh, be even more excited in a few days when they patch and it stops fucking crashing every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dominating the news right now. I'm enjoying the game, but I hate the age that we live in where you can just, like, ship a disc and then hope you have a patch ready by the time people get it. Uh, that's garbage, yeah. That shit needs to stop. I mean, is it... So it's non-functional. Am I better off just, like, 
buying the downloaded game uh, when it's fixed or like what is the disc basically just nothing but an invitation to patch anyway well there was a patch when like the second i put it in of course but even even then it it still it crashes like way too much mm. it's it crashed on me like i honestly about eight times today wow and wow. I, I i don't know like they kind of pitched it as this like chill explore like you know see the world game and then they like piss you off worse than any teabagging 12 year old by crashing all the time oh that sucks so i i, I don't know it's it's quite frustrating um the the little half hour bits that I have got to play between crashes is pretty amazing. I'm not at all unhappy with the game. Have they attributed the failure to anything in particular? Is the network or server load or? Uh, speaking of the age that we live in, you you can't Google anything about the game without like encountering thousands of assholes screaming about what a total shit pile it is. So <laughs> I just I just stayed away. I'll you know, do something else for a couple of days and when it patches, hopefully it'll run better and cool. I wanna I wanna check that out. I mean I understand it takes place in a rather vast universe. So if I was playing and you were playing, is there any chance we could encounter each other or is that like So apparently the odds are against it. Like apparently okay. I think they're actually saying quintillion worlds, hmm. so um, you should not be able to encounter anyone. Apparently, there's this big drama now. Apparently, two people happened to spawn close enough together that they were able to go to the exact same spot, and they couldn't interact. They couldn't see each other. Oh. So now people are just calling uh, the company like outright liars. It's not a multiplayer at all, and I I really don't understand, like, if everything they said was, you know, there are so many planets, you would never even meet another player if, if you could play together. It, it did not sound multiplayer whatsoever, and now people are upset that it's not multiplayer. So you're you're playing maybe on some shard or instance or something like that with a, with a bunch of other people, but not necessarily the same one your, your buddy is on. I like. apparently no one knows, and the company's being a little tight-lipped because it it was sort of a marketing point. Like I don't I don't know. We, we'll hopefully the patch will uh, address that. Mm. Okay, I hope so. Uh, I do want to check it out. I mean. Unless you like absolutely wanted to play with a friend, I'd still say check it out because it's it's a pretty interesting game. Like it is not really like anything else that comes to mind. I I guess kind of like Minecraft. Not not really. I mean, Minecraft is building things. This is you know everything's already built, but you can interact with almost anything. Just exploring things, right? Yeah. yeah. Isn't the whole shtick that it's supposed to just be like constantly generating new worlds so that like wherever you go it's never the same as what you were at before? Supposedly they're not 
like generated. Supposedly, it has that many worlds, so that no matter what, you'll never see the same thing again. But I guess that was called into question. I I, I really don't know um, if the map is any indicator. The it it is it's more than I'll ever see in my lifetime. I mean, <laughs> hmm. interesting. So, so I mean, done. so I'm sorry. Tom, Tom, go, ahead. go ahead, Dan. Yep. I'm just gonna I was just gonna ask just about generally the gameplay. So you're just you're just basically in your in your spaceship and you're just flying around and you're just exploring worlds. That's all it is, really, right? There's you're not, you're not fighting. You're not doing. Are you solving puzzles? Are you doing anything like that, or is it just there's um like an ancient civilization leaving you clues every so often. So I wouldn't really call it like puzzles, but you know you're trying to track down a mystery, and apparently the mystery leads you like. It, it, it sounds to me, I mean, I haven't solved it, so I don't know, but it sounds to me like closer and closer to the center of the universe, which I think would be like the origins of the universe. You know, like kind of like back to the source. So I think you're, you know, like going to meet God or, you know, find the, the force or, or whatever, whatever mythology they chose to, to include. But it looks like that. You're, you're finding clues from indescribably ancient beings and, you know, you're just curious about it. Or not. You can just, you know, roam around and collect bigger weapons and bigger spaceships and shoot other guys. And There's a lot of NPC traffic, so if you wanted to just be a pirate, I guess you could just shoot up, you know, NPC ships and take their stuff. Okay. Sounds like a lot of time to be spent yeah. on game. Yeah, are you done with all other games now, Brian? Are you is this like the last game you'll ever buy? Uh no, I, I kinda doubt it. I mean it, it it feels right now like there's a lot to do, but I mean I it, I don't think you could possibly do it all. So at some point it I, I think this is basically gonna be Skyrim. When I played Skyrim, I wanted to do, you know, ten thousand side quests and I can completely forgot about the main quest and then one day I was like, oh yeah, I am the Dragonborn, aren't I? Let me, let me figure out what that means and then I beat the game and I was like, oh, alright, well, I'm done. <laughs> so are there like in-game purchases? Mm, there is something called, I think it's called an alley pass or an ally pass or something like that that um, like, like locks hidden doors and things. I don't know how to get one, but for some strange reason, it just feels like you will be buying those. Like, it's it's not anything that's keeping progression away from you. Like, you can still just go around it or whatever. It, it feels to me like just cool loots or something. So, maybe um, if you remember Borderlands 2, like what they did with, like, events that you had to, like, partake in to get the, what were the little golden keys for the chest? Yeah, yeah. Um, or you can probably buy like you know a pack of ten keys for a dollar or something like that. So you you find their money collecting structure not objectionable. You think it's fair? Well, so far there's no micro purchases. Or oh, I'm sorry, like I miss I mistook you were what you were saying as a microtransaction. Okay. No, so. no, I, I have that feeling. Like like I said, I don't uh, know how to get those, I so see. maybe you can just make them when you're high level, but it, it feels like something that a company would make micro purchases. Oh, okay. I, I misheard what you said. All right. I, I understand now. 
Um, so we'll we'll see. I mean, if they have like you know a bunch of expansions, or I guess they could do like cool looking ships because some of the ships are pretty dopey looking. So like maybe you can skin your ship. They haven't yet, but we'll see. Mm, mm. I don't want to praise them just yet. I've been bit before. <laughs> we'll see, Brian. But I'm glad you're intrigued by this semi-functioning game for the moment. Either way. I, I was really looking forward to it. That was probably the last like launch title that I wanted for uh, PlayStation 4. So yeah, okay, then you're done. Like that was the last launch title, and also probably the yeah. the last title you'll never need. So it um, might be. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We'll report back on it. I'm curious to see how you enjoy it uh, going forward. Anything else? That was my week. Okay, it sounds like a pretty fun week. Cam, what about you? What have you been up to? Oh, just uh, got back to Gen Con. Got back from Gen Con. Yeah. Uh, a couple days ago. Uh, no thanks to Delta fucking Airlines. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Yikes. Part of my, uh, well, I mean, I, like, I guess I'll forego the story in the news and just talk about it now. Um, I was unfortunately one of the idiots that was stuck. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, you know, how often do you really travel, right? And then, like, the one day that you're tra- like the one or two days that you're traveling, you end up in, like, the worst, like, meltdown in their an airline's history, basically. Um, so I guess there are some, some, I don't know, some people are saying it was hacked. Some people are saying it was just a, a hardware malfunction, but somehow, some way, at the Delta, at the Georgia Power Station in Atlanta, where Delta is based, their server, whatever, their, like, whole computer network powered by this area at Georgia Power, somehow that something failed there, whether by design or just by faulty equipment, and Delta's entire network went down, and that just caused just mayhem and, and just all kinds of bullshit for everyone traveling uh, on that day on Monday, which was, I believe, the 8th or 9th, whatever it was, the 9th. Uh, and I, unfortunately, was one of those people traveling, and so a, I was a flight, you know, the travel time for me was only supposed to be about three or four hours. Uh, it ended up being about 17 hours. Oh. Where I left my hotel at about 5 a.m. Um, and I didn't get home until roughly nine, between 9 and 10 p.m. Wow. So, so that's, wow. yeah, it's about 17 hours, right? That's it, yeah. So... Uh, and not only that, but I mean, it was just fraught with like just idiocy. Like we ended up like, like my flight didn't leave Indianapolis until way late. Then I left Indianapolis from Gen Con, got to Atlanta, which already sucks. I hate connecting anyway, but just it just worked out that I had to connect in Atlanta. Then Atlanta was the worst hit. Uh, because that's their like hub where everyone flies into and out of or whatever. Yeah. And so I was there for, I mean, literally hours and hours and hours. They put us, I got there, my flight that I was supposed to get on before was canceled, um, I was able to get onto another flight, that ended up being okay, I, no, that one ended up getting canceled, and I got on another, uh, I got was able to get on another flight, we actually boarded that flight, and then we sat in the plane on the tarmac for two over two hours, and they kept coming on and telling us, oh, it's only going to be another 10, 15 minutes, we're just waiting on this. And then, oh, it's going to be another 10, 15 minutes. We're just waiting on this. 
oh, the pilots are here, but they can't get through security or something like that, And but they'll be here in about 10, 15 minutes, then they'll do their flight check and we're gone. So two and a half, three hours later, they're like, all right, everybody get up and get off the plane. It's This, this flight's canceled. Oh, God. So, that sucks. So I had to get off the plane. I literally watched a whole movie. I watched like a whole movie on their little entertainment center and plus some time and then like got off the plane. Uh, wow. And then and then when that happened, it was even, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people because I mean it was a full flight of about like you know whatever 200, 250 people. Yeah. So everyone just got off and just immediately started rushing the Delta Center. They have a little Delta Center there and like you know all the, the desks and everything, and people are yelling and screaming, I was in line, no, I'm in line, remember, you know, like, people are just going crazy. And I'll tell you, the best thing I ever, the best thing I did that day was in the morning when I was waiting in Indianapolis to leave. One of the stewardesses just randomly was like, or not steward, but, you know, one of the people at the, the, the table was making an announcement, she's like, you know, if you download our app, we, you know, you can track your flight's progress. Bullshit. And, you know, it, no. Whatever. No, but and that's what I said too. I was like, you know what? These guys, these, not only are these guys all fucked up, but now they want me to download their app. You know? It wouldn't work. But the servers were down, from what I understand. Like people, people were trying. You know how you can like show your boarding pass on the on the app on your phone, so you don't have yeah. to print it out. People were trying to do that, and their servers that would generate those PDF images weren't even up. So that's that's BS right there. Well, no, but it but somehow it was working for me. Oh like, really? I, I downloaded the app. Okay, all right, nice. And then, I downloaded the app, and then when everyone else was sitting there, like, going crazy and, like, trying to get in line and trying to get someone on the phone and trying to talk to people or trying to get an agent or whatever, I literally just went on the app and just do, 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 find another flight, bam, <laughs> on it, and then I was on it. And, and But, I mean, those flights kept getting canceled, but I was I just kept doing it, you know what I mean? So then finally after that flight where they dropped where I, where I got off, Everyone was there was just chaos and mayhem, and I saw one just one seat by by itself, and I just went and sat down real quick, and I was like, let me take a breath here, let me get back on this app and see if I can get a flight. So I'm getting I'm on there, and it was about like 3 p.m., and I found a flight for 3:50 p.m. and I was like, nice. all right. So I get on there right, and I keep trying to get on it, and it keeps telling me there's an error, 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 won't let me on that flight. But every time, like, there was an error, I would have to go back to available flights, right? Okay, okay. So I hit available flights after, like, five or six times trying to get onto that 350 flight, and then there's a 405 flight that just popped up out of nowhere. Because nice. before that, it was a 350 flight and then a 10 p.m. flight. And I was like, oh. I was like, I do not want to sit here for six hours <laughs> waiting, you know? So then the 4 405 flight came up, I hit it, bam, got on it right away. But then the only problem was it was about, like, 315, and no I had to get... I had to get from the George, from the Atlanta airport from Terminal A all the way to Terminal E. Oh, which, if you know wow. how gigantic the fucking yeah, you had to, airport is. You had to take the train, right? Yeah. So oh, I, yeah. And like, I was at like A2, and they don't do like they, – they do it ass backwards. So when you start at the terminal, like when you, when you get to the terminal, it's like A35. And so if you want <laughs> A2, you got to go all the way to the end, right? Oh, God. So I, got to, I had to go from A2 all the way to like A35 – get the train, past 835, get the train, go all the way to E, and then it was actually E2, which was the terminal that I had to get to, so I had to start at E35 and then walk all the way down to E2, which would have been fine. I wouldn't have had a problem with it, but, I mean, I was so pressed for time, you know? Yeah, So I yeah. literally got there at the last, like, you know, last couple minutes, got on the plane, and then I get on the plane, and there's, like, 
it was like one quarter full. There was like no one on the no one on the flight. Hardly anyone on the flight. And I ended up getting an emergency exit seat, which was nice. Sat down, and that was it. And it, the flight took off like maybe 20 minutes late, but we still ended up getting to the airport like oh around like. Eight, I mean, I mean, I think I flew, I think I got into Fort Lauderdale around eight eight ish or something like that. And then I, because yeah, we were, you know, we were delayed for a while. We didn't take off until like five, after five. But then, you know, whatever, we got there. But then my bags, took forever to get my bags. <laughs> because my bag was on the original flight. And sure. then like, who knows, I mean, I don't know how many flights it went on before, you know, because you, your bags have to be on your flight. It's like a rule. Yeah. Like, I guess for terrorism or something. Like, they figure if you're going to be on the flight, you're going to have your bag on that flight too. Because if there's something bad in there, it's blowing your ass up too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... I had to wait for my, so I got my bags, but that took like an hour. So then, and then my poor girlfriend, my well, now my fiance, I should say, mm, yeah. uh, was uh, circling the airport for like forever. And then, Fort Lauderdale Airport was so packed, like I mean, it was like bumper to bumper traffic, like waiting because like so many people were there, like trying to pick up people who had been affected by the Delta. Thing oh my god! So we finally got out of there. Finally walked in the door. So I mean. I mean, it ended up, all right, fine. At least I got home the same day, you know? But it literally killed. I had a bunch of plans for Monday yesterday. Yeah, no, no chance. Because I was supposed Did to get in like 11 a.m., you know what I mean? Like, and I had like a whole day plan. I had a whole bunch of stuff I had to get done. I, because, you know, remember, I had been in Europe for three weeks. I was here for one day. Then I went to Gen Con for the week. Yeah, So, yeah. I mean, I, I literally have been gone for a month. Did, my house, almost. did they give you any uh, a voucher or anything? I heard people were getting a couple hundred dollar vouchers or something out of them. So okay, so the blanket thing they're giving everyone is a two hundred dollar voucher. Okay. Um, I never accept the first offer. That doesn't go far. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. doesn't go very far. So, so, yeah. so I called them today and was able to negotiate a, a better deal for myself. Good. Good, so good. I'm not gonna say what I got because I don't want to like whatever. Probably but, a like, non-disclosure <laughs> component to that deal, right? So you yeah, can't. no, there is no non-disclosure, <laughs> but I got I got much a much better deal than two hundred dollars. So oh, that's good. Yeah, for inconvenience yeah. like that, good. Yeah, nice. I I hate to say it, Cam. Like I was hearing all about it, and then I get to the airport to fly back because I was taking a red eye in Tuesday night, and uh, mm -hmm. so I get to the Seattle airport. I'm like, you know, I'm good to go, and plenty of time for my flight, and I see this like five mile long line like apparently oh. going to the Virgin America counter I'm like oh god no and yeah. then um, and then uh, I'm like walking up and I realize no that's all for Delta I'm like oh yeah I heard about this on the radio this this yeah. crappy Delta situation well then this person exclaims a little too loud as we're like walking through this line like you know we're uh, literally walk cutting through this line to get to our desk uh, man, I'm glad I'm not flying Delta, to which I exclaimed a little too, like, um, merrily, yeah, me too, man. And then I look at these poor, miserable people, and they're all, like, glaring at me, and I'm just like, oh, man, sorry. <laughs> I felt really crappy. No, Tom, I was, I was probably, <laughs> I'd say, ten, like, five minutes from just buying a one-way on another airline. I think I would have done. My, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I was yeah. very close to just doing that, and then like worrying about it later. You know, but then I got on that flight because you know it's like it's like the bad girlfriend or ex girlfriend that keeps like leading you on. You know what I mean? It's yep. like okay, yeah, no, we got this flight. You're gonna be on it, and then you sit there and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. Oh, sorry, this flight's canceled. Then then you actually get on the flight. And then it's like you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. I mean, if they would have just told me straight up in the beginning, dude, you're not getting home till 10 p.m. tonight. 
right. um, when I got off on my first Atlanta flight, I literally would have just like got on kayak on my phone. I had the kayak app. I would have bought a one way. I don't, you know, from some other flight or some other airline. And then they Delta home. reimburse you or something. Yeah, yeah. not even. Like, I mean, even if they don't, so what? I still would have got the two hundred dollar voucher. So it's kind of a, you know, plus whatever yeah. I got today. So yeah. it's kind of a wash, you know. And, and my time's worth more than like, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I just was like, but then they just kept leading you on, leading you on, leading you on, and like. Um, and the other thing too is my bags. Like then you're screwed on your bags if you don't like. I, I didn't know what, how that was gonna work or whatever. So I was just like, stuck, they'll, they'll like, get them. They'll get them to you. They'll, they'll get them. The Delta would have. I've had to do that. I, I bought my way out of a situation like that once. I'm like, I'm taking another airline. My bag better show up, and it did yeah. eventually. So, uh, okay. uh, but yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. Like in that situation, my like, you know, frugality would have like given way pretty quickly to like I'm extricating myself. <laughs> Well, what's funny? Well, what's funny is that like I would have, I was already like contemplating just doing that anyway before I even found out about the whole Delta thing because my Gen Con hall was massive. Oh and yeah. My flight was so early in the morning that typically I, 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 I after I go to these cons, I have a, like a two o'clock or a three o'clock flight. Um, the company that I work for, you know, whatever, they usually give me a flight that's like later. But like, I, um, the flight that I got. Um, the flight that I was able to, to, to book, was, the only flight that I could get was like early in the morning. And so uh, I, I was like, well, fine, that's cool. I'll just ship all my stuff back on Sunday. But for whatever reason, like every FedEx location in the area was closed on Sunday. Really? So I had this big-ass box of games that I typically I typically just ship my games home. They come in a couple days. No big deal, you know? Yeah. But, I ended up having to take it as my second piece of luggage. Oh man! Oh which wow! Which cost me like a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? And so was, I was it oversized of, or was it just? That's no, it was. Over, yeah, it was like seventy pounds. Oh, okay. Was, okay. Was, yeah. Okay. Um. So I was just like, you know, whatever. I'll just, uh, I'll just, you know, I, I, let me just see if I can find a later flight. Then I, I was just like, you know, doing the cost-benefit analysis. You know what I mean? If I can get a one-way for under a hundred bucks, it probably makes sense for me to just ship the box. And then I get then I get sleep in, you know, you know what I mean? Like I was that like is has a good value to me as well. So I was like I could just like sleep in, get you know, get a cheap flight. But all the flights I were finding were like two hundred bucks plus. So I was like, ah, oh, forget it. I'll just take my flight and I'll just pay the hundred bucks and whatever. And then, God, if I would have known this whole Delta thing, then I definitely would have done that before, you know, because by the yes. time by the time I was stuck in the whole Delta vortex. I guess other people must have done that, or the other airlines like got wise and hey, people are gonna probably be doing this. Let's jack our rates because I it was like literally a couple hours later, and those same flights were like triple the price. Yeah, they were they were like uh, surge pricing, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. So whatever, I made it home, no big deal. But I mean, it is a big deal, but whatever. Got you know, got through it. First world <sighs> problems. Yeah, um, that's that's shitty. Still, you know, even though it's a first world pro- first world problem. Um, so. This requires no understanding of technology or airlines or anything. You have a computer system that basically runs the logistical end of your like massive transport network, and like you don't have backup power. <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, I I have zero understanding as well. It's like I think when I was reading, Delta does like fifteen thousand flights, and that's like hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. You know. So their logistical network must be massive, right? Yeah. So how the hell do you power that? I mean, I get that they have, like, their own dedicated, like, power source at the Georgia Power Station. You know what I mean? But then 
whether it's Delta or Georgia Power, how do you not have some sort of built-in redundancy, especially for airlines? Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, everything needs to be, like, triple, quadruple redundancy on an airplane, you know? Like, but you don't have that for your logistical network. And then on top of that, their system, like, they're, they're still using, like, dot matrix printers yeah, with, like, the, with, like, the circle, you know, the little holes on the e on the edges, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, they're yeah. like, oh, well, we can't, we can't board the plane because we haven't gotten our, our paperwork yet. And then, like, there's, like, this thing is, like, printing, like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, who doesn't have a freaking, like, you're still using these dot matrix printers? Get out of here. So they're, like, they're like literally printing printing the passenger manifest and stuff, like, as you're waiting, like, oh, yeah, Well, not, not only that, but, like, they have, I guess they have, like, some paper, like, I don't know, maybe, yeah, like, it just not just the passenger manifest, but I guess they have to get some sort of authorizations or whatever. Like, they get some sort of orders or something. Oh, okay. Can, like, actually like start boarding the plane. They have to have some, some you know... But who uses that? Like, who, first of all, who uses paper anymore? Second of all, if you are using paper, who like who's using a goddamn dot matrix printer? Like, this isn't uh, like you know, fucking Myanmar, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess the airline industry, like, you know, they're looking. Why spend money where we don't have to if we can, you know? Sorry, Myanmar. Uh, if you're Myanese, I don't know what you, what, if that's the correct term. If you're from Myanmar, I don't know. You guys may have great technology. I don't know. I'm just picking interestingly, small, small people countries. from people from Myanmar are still considered Burmese. Oh, really? Okay. No, no, I don't know. I just made that up. I don't know if that's true or not. Oh man, but yeah. So that was my ordeal Monday. Got back, just sort of been taking it easy. Uh, had game night at the Adventure Game Store last night. Played some of my new games. I got code names, pictures, which is cool. I mean, I got like a, I got like 30, 40 games from from Gen Con, so it was awesome. But like, and just Gen Con itself was just amazing. Uh, but you know, sort of sort of tainted a little bit at the end there. Yeah, yeah. Way to go, Delta. Jeez. Yeah. By the way, we are not. We are still open to sponsorship. So. Um, yeah, if Delta wants to sponsor us, I'll. Way to do right by the traveling public by offering yeah. vouchers and, you know, support uh, and learning lessons from this catastrophic logistical failure. Yeah, Yellow Games, by the way, big special thank you to them for having me at Gen Con again this year. Um, their, their, um, their new game, Oceanos, which is an Antoine Bauza game, the guy who did uh, Seven Wonders and a whole bunch of other games, uh, was, like, on the top, I think, three or five games uh, at Gen Con this year. Amazing game. I suggest anyone pick it up. Um, yeah, it was great. It was a really, really good time. Cool. Yellow Games and Delta Airlines working together to bring the nerd extravaganza to you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome. All right, sounds like a very full week. And welcome yes. back from Europe, and congratulations on being engaged. Thank you. That brings it around to me and my rather mundane week. <clears throat> which I thought was interesting until I heard what you guys were up to. <laughs> uh, I flew out to Seattle uh, to work uh, in a, a, one of my company's offices out there. We were taking part in uh, a yearly event called the Hackathon, and basically you split into groups and just like bust out little products, and um, some of them get picked up for uh, use or incorporation in other uh, initiatives by the company. So it's basically just to kind of foster innovation of the company and get people to work together and kind of foster a spirit of innovation within the company. So had a really great time doing that. It's so unlike what you do in your day-to-day -day as a software person where you, you know, you've got to 
plan and you're sticking to it and you're delivering and incrementally that we just sat down at a table, my group and I and just banged this thing out in a week and it was really cool. And uh, it's too, I won't get into the details of the software, but it was, it was kind of cool um, given our industry. And so that was, that was cool. That was one of the cooler work experiences I've had in quite a while. And uh, so why do they call it a hackathon? Because you're literally like sitting. It's kind of like hacking in marathon. What is it? What's that called? A portmanteau or whatever. Whatever. It's a mashing together of two words, uh, hack and like marathon. Because basically, you're knocking out what would probably take a lot longer in a week by just sitting down and busting out a functional, like, first pass. Of yeah, first pass version of it in a week's time. You get five working days to do it. Okay. So we just like sat down and belted this out like lickety split, and uh, it was cool. It was really refreshing, and um, yeah, had a great time with that. And at the end of the week, uh, went out. We had a nice like happy hour and stuff to celebrate. And then in pulled up my uh, Fandango app, also open to sponsorship, guys, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, decided to book myself a little reward ticket to Suicide Squad. And so then took my drunk, my pretty well drunk uh, behind to the theater. I watched Suicide Squad. Uh, having bought, um, I, I almost never eat meat, as you know. And for some reason, in my state of inebriation, like oh, a... Oh, did you get the hot dog? I got a two hot dog and soda combo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, uh, like, so I'm already, I'm a little sugar sensitive to begin with, and I'm already like four or five free beers in, you know, and I'm feeling like, uh, you know, I'm, get, I'm getting there, getting towards a headache. And uh, so I get the two hot dogs and then the gallon of soda. And I go to the, they have one of those Coke machines where you pick whatever you want. Oh, I'm like, Mellow Yellow, I haven't had that in a while. So I fill it up with a gallon of Mellow Yellow. I got maybe, maybe halfway through that. But between the hot dogs and that and being drunk, like by the end of Suicide Squad, a, a real nice headache was starting to brew in my in my head. And I went home and paid for it the rest of the night. So oh, no. that's my Suicide Squad. Uh, uh, Did you enjoy camera. the movie, though, at least? Yeah, um, Suicide Squad was good, and not just because I was drunk. Um, I actually might like to do a little series for the show in defense of DC. I wouldn't ask that you guys obviously agree with me if you think that the DC movies have been just like utterly shitty. But people shitting on this one before it even came out like really convinced me of something that I suspected all along, which is that a portion of the criticism the current run of DC films gets is just like fanboyism. It sucks. Our movies suck. Um... And I know I've said this before about Batman v Superman versus uh, the Civil War movie that they did on the Marvel side of the house, or the side of things, I should say, but I just think people are primed to hate anything DC now. And, um, like, this movie I thought was... It, it, it had flaws, like all of the movies they put out. It did have flaws, but it didn't deserve, like, this like pile-on that it got before it even was released. Right. So, I don't know. I'm envisioning, like... Going through the new DC universe, starting with, what was it, Man of Steel or whatever that first one was, um, and then doing Batman v Superman, and then Suicide Squad, and just kind of discussing the movies and like the common criticisms, and where I don't agree with them, maybe not agree with them, maybe doing a written piece on the site, and then maybe doing some episodes to discuss that. So That'd be cool. 
yeah, and if you guys feel the same and you want to jump in, if you you can, if you feel completely opposite and want to debate, that's also cool. But I think it'd make for a few a few decent episodes because um, I, I it, Brian mentioned this uh, in regard to No Man's Sky, like people are so hyper opinionated about stuff that really actually doesn't matter that it right. makes me sick. Like this is the you worst thing. Yeah, you think if they put that energy into something that like actually mattered, like right, like, right, the world would be much better, you know. Like Brian Level, very fair criticism. You know, you shouldn't ship like a pr- you shouldn't ship a promise on a disc and then deliver on the promise, you know, months later. That is shitty. That is legitimate. Like you know, a, right. an immediate patch and then you finally patch the game up to a functional level. That's sucky. Right. Um, but I can't even imagine the type of tirades that you encountered, Brian, on message boards and so on, with people like basically like probably wishing the developers dead and everything else, you know. Yeah, um, I, I was not kidding about just avoiding the rest of the discussion. It, I, it's depressing, I, I would say, to see all of these people just like I, I, I don't, you, not even. Well, it, not even debate its merits or its cons or anything like that. Just like slavering beast out for blood. Yes, absolutely. Like, there were people like, do you remember how Batman v Superman, like it did really killer at the box office and then like all these people were pissed because it had done really killer, but then it, it did pass fairly quickly out of the box office, like out of yeah. the top ranking. Um, People were, like, dancing on its grave, like, ha, told you, that didn't last long. People were so, like, because they objected to it so strongly, they just, like, wanted it to be a commercial failure. And their objections were, like, I just, a lot of them were just not legit. Or or did not have a, a, were not justified, I should say. So, um, yeah. At least you can appreciate where I'm coming from regarding nerd rage, even if you have different views on those movies. So, anyway, want to bounce that off you guys. We'll discuss. Maybe visit that in the future. And, uh, I think that's it for my update. Oh, I started playing Kingdom of Kingdoms of Amalar, The Reckoning. Uh, oh. Still trying to clear out my last couple games in the backlog from the last gen that I forgot I had. And that game is pretty cool. It's, uh, having a good time with that. Playing that on the Xbox 360. So, uh, yeah, I'll report in on that. Fun game so far, though. And that's it. That is all I've got. Which means... Which means... It's now on to news with our... With your Action Channel Ganza reporter <laughs> and world traveler and uh, travel critic, it turns out, to the dismay of Delta, Cam. Yeah, I mean, I just, I've just had the worst luck traveling lately. Like, I mean, well, I mean, worst luck. I mean, I guess I didn't die, but like, you know, what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, my freaking bag got lost, and then like this whole Delta thing. But hey, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm healthy, so whatever. Right, right. Um, so we already talked about No Man's Sky. We talked about Delta. Uh, let's talk about some other train wrecks here, literally. Um, <laughs> so if you, um, I don't know if you heard, but on. Uh, a couple days ago in Iowa, a train derailed and went off the you know went off the tracks and you know whatever. Just basically, there was a big accident. No, luckily no one was injured. Uh, but the funny thing is, is that the train car derailed and ran into a bar called Derailed. 
No, <laughs> come on. But <laughs> boom, yeah. Yeah. So it actually, this is one of those little funny stories. Uh, tipped over on a 45 degree angle, and just basically slammed into a bar, and the bar was called derailed. Um, so it's pretty funny. I thought that is uh, funny. Game of Thrones. Uh, apparently, they are they they've they basically they they're having live concerts. Have you seen that? Uh, a really, no. really cool like live concert of all the music from from the TV series, uh, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be in basically 28 cities across the country. So like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to read you all 28, but uh, it will be in Fort Lauderdale March 11th. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Might have to make that happen. It's Seattle March 31st. Yeah. So it's. It's uh, but I mean, this is all in 2017. But uh, you know, the, the, they're uh, it looks pretty cool. I mean, the pictures that they have up and like you know the whole description of it, it's like basically a symphony symphony orchestra with like, and, and then they have like, you know, uh, like like visual aids, I guess, um, state of the art sort of like immersion type thing. So uh, I don't know. I might have to do that myself. Uh, speak cool. Speaking of. Uh, Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire, Mr. George R.R. R. Martin's Wild Cards graphic novels uh, will be coming to a small screen near you. Did you ever read? Did you read those, uh, Brian? Figured if anyone no. did, you did. Um, Wild Cards. Uh, I don't. I, I. I've never read it either. Um, I guess he's been editing it for. The last like four decades. Oh, so that's what he's been up to. Uh, 86, 80, 96, 2000. No, it can't be four decades. If it's 86, right? 96, 2006, 2006, three decades. Because uh, his first volume was published in 86. But either way, um, he got a Hugo Award for it. Um, um, it's sort of a Watchmen-y type thing or whatever. Um, the world, it, it's like an alternate history when the world is diverted. In like in I guess right after the after World War II, um, and there's a wild card vi- wild card virus that gets released in Manhattan, spreads over the entire Earth, and um, basically 90% of people die horribly, um, and then uh, 10 the 10% 9% become these things called Jokers that are mutated into like horrible shapes and get minor powers, and then 1% become the Aces. And they're blessed with like amazing powers, and they're like superheroes that roam around the world. So it seems pretty cool. Like it's something actually I would probably want to read. But uh, that is going to be a new TV show, and the person that's going to be doing it, uh, well, it's I mean it's going to be NBC Universal, so it should hopefully make it to the screen. And um, I don't know. I mean the guy. I mean they, they they've done a good job with a lot of their shows, like Mr. Robot. I don't know if you guys watched that. That's pretty yeah. Cool show. It's a great show. Um, Colony, pretty cool. Twelve, Twelve Monkeys, uh, which is w- uh, one of my favorite movies, and, and they they did okay with the with the TV show. So let's see if they do all right with this. And my last story um, is about industrial robots that are being repurposed to do tattoos on humans. Oh. Yeah, uh, in San Francisco, um, they're trying to modify these, you know, these these robots that sort of become obsolete, 
uh, and they're trying to basically give them a, uh, you know, they, they want to repurpose them just so they're not, whatever, destroyed or whatever. And uh, first ever tattoo was like this spirally thing on this guy's leg. Um, and I guess it wasn't too bad. Uh, I guess it came out okay. So look for tattoos to be done by robots in the future. Look for tattoos to be even more generic. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but if you think about it, like, you know, how often, like, you know, I mean, I don't get tattoos, but I know plenty of people with tattoos. Like, I know you, you go into the tattoo shop, you show them a picture, and you're like, hey, I want this, you know, or I want something like this or whatever. Um, I guess if, you're, if you want something that's like, uh, you know, not, I guess if you want something that's like original and that like they're just going to make for you, then, I, I, you know, you always are going to probably, you know, you're going to need a tattoo artist then. But I mean, if you wanted to like tattoo a picture of your like son or something on your chest or on your arm or whatever, I mean, I, I guess I'd rather have a, a machine do it. I mean, they're going to do it much more precisely than a, a human, right? Uh, I I would guess they would, yeah. And if you just want something like generic for which there's a blueprint, yeah, I, I think that yeah you'd get exactly that. Yeah, I mean it doesn't necessarily need to be generic. I mean, it, like I said, it could be like a picture of your mom or a picture of your, you know, something that's unique to you. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I mean? Like, man, I'm I'm having a listening problem tonight. Uh, <laughs> I thought I, I thought something like your you know a tra transcribing a photo would take an artist's touch, uh, but you're saying that. I guess you could scan that and then just draw it on you. Yeah, why wouldn't it be able to just scan the scan the photo and then just reprint? Like basically, it's just a three D printer almost. You know what I mean? Like, or not even. It's just a printer. It's just printing on your skin essentially. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to see because, I mean, you would have to be perfectly still. I, you know, like, I, I don't know how the computer would adapt as well as, uh, I mean, maybe they can put, like, a, a little crash test dummy on your on your arm so the computer can can move with you or something. Yeah, well, it's funny, the, the, the pictures that on the news story I was looking at, they had, like, the guy's leg, like, taped, you know what I mean? Like, it was, like, it was, like, immobilized yeah. completely because he couldn't move, you know? But, yeah, I mean... I think they could probably do, I mean, you know, the technology these days, I mean, like you said, they could put, like, those little balls on you where, like, the computer knows where you are and what, how you're moving, you know what I mean? And they could just, like, move with you, like, like, uh, you, know, you know, like, how they do that, like, uh, stop motion or map motion or whatever. Yeah. Probably do that. I don't know. What do you think, Tom? Would you get a, would you get a tattoo from a, uh, a computer? From a robot? I mean Assuming it would come preloaded with all the cliche tattoos, like some star, <laughs> some stars, and like koi fish, and tribal uh, all the way around. Yeah, you know? if I if I could like do own. like connect all of the, uh, you know, what is that koi Eastern fish. concept like? <laughs> if I could have like all of my meridians connected, you know, with like Asian characters that I couldn't read, and then have a koi fish, you know, at each junction. Yeah. With, with nautical stars for eyes, I would totally. Yeah, yeah, I would. I'd totally be down. <laughs> probably get like, on my chest or on my shoulders. I would probably get those like, bluebirds or whatever those birds are. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Twitterbirds. Yeah. yeah, the Twitter bird. If I could get all those things, and the computer could do it all, yeah, I'm down. I would do it. <laughs> I wonder if it's more or less painful, or if it's just the same. 
don't know. I think it would be more consistently painful, at least. Like, I, I don't know if there's like nuance. Like, if the artist has to like really dig in for certain bits or what. Yeah, cause you, I mean, I don't know that you'd want to go deeper than you. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it would be pretty uniform across your skin. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I know certain parts hurt. Like, getting certain parts tattoos supposedly hurt worse, but I'm not sure about. Uh, yeah, like if the artist can have a lighter touch or not. Yeah. Anyway, I would expect that the computer would also have like a VR rig for me to patch into, so I was like otherwise involved, and <laughs> maybe like yeah. a vape thing built in with like some kind of you know painkilling narcotic. <laughs> there you go. Just build it all in. Yeah, one stop shop. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's all the news I got. All right, that that sounded a little judgy of me though regarding tattoos. They're not my thing. <laughs> Um, it does seem to me if you were going to have something indelibly etched onto your skin, you might like to like make that special. But yeah. who, who am I to judge? And soon, uh, a, computer, a machine will do it all for you. So have hey fun. Man, my kids, my kids' picture is not special. <laughs> You're the first person ever to think of that. I know. Thank God I don't um, have a kid. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> although, if there is a machine that removes tattoos. Uh, that you guys want to invest in building, I think we've got a real growth market on our hands in a few years. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Anything else? Is that it for news? That's it, man. That's all I got. Man, I think between our personal stories and the news, like this was already an episode. Yeah, but, uh, we've, been, we've been going. It's a good. It's a good thing I barely thought through the idea for the <laughs> <laughs> for the show, and it actually kind of kind of fits given that it's all about run length of. Uh, Let's say fiction or stories. Yeah, well, we we owe, we owe the audience, you know, a, a, a nice update. We, you know, we've been gone for a bit, so. Yeah, that's true. We had a little. We were out for a bit, so this is a makeup episode, and uh, yeah. we know everybody's clamoring to know what's going on in our lives. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I thought we would discuss fiction, like, uh, and so there are certain long-running series, be they books, movies, what have you, um, that people just absolutely love, and there are certain things that are just like short and sweet and done, and people absolutely love those too, and some maybe want more, but sometimes, but at the same time, don't. A um, couple of examples that I could think of, A Song of Ice and Fire, you know, it's, it's made worse by the fact that the author is busy doing, like, other stuff, as you just mentioned, and Never gets yeah. around to finishing the chapters, but I have to go back and like reread them every so often to remember everything. And I think that's a side effect of like a sprawling, massive like narrative over several books is that there's no way you're remembering all those details. And uh, compare that to something that was a little more, I guess, succinct, like uh, say Ghostbusters, you know, <laughs> which. Uh, you remember most of the moments because there, well, it was a movie, and there there wasn't a whole lot to them. Um, sometimes I think I would rather be able to know the work inside and out because it's short, and I and like I I could just go over every word in my head. But I definitely also see the appeal of immersing yourself in a sometimes never-ending or continuous universe, or one that certainly is massive enough that you can lose yourself in it for a while. So. Right kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the relative merits of both and you don't have a preference for one or the other that's understandable but if you do let's let's hear about it Brian Brian's the uh, fiction guru here so I'm, I'm interested to hear what he has to say 
Oh, I have to pick on someone to give my honest opinion. Um, I don't think long, sweeping narrative works in movies, like at, like at all, because God, even uh, the Hobbit slash Lord of the Rings or something like 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 Star uh, Star Wars. Star Wars is what S- seven movies now. But it's been 30 years. Even if they had just done those, like, you know, one through seven, how long did it take Harry Potter? 14 years? Yeah, was it that long? God, yeah. You almost can't do it. It's just the wrong medium for that. Maybe television shows definitely, like, actual books. Like, you can read. I, I, I think... I will always think A Song of Ice and Fire works better than Game of Thrones, just because you you don't have to wait. <laughs> you can read it at your pace. It's it's your pace once it's completed, of course. Mm. You don't have to... I, I, I don't know. Get bored by filler episodes when someone else's character is is the favorite and and they're getting a lot of attention. Uh, you know, you don't have to wait for like, well, it's this the season's done, so we're just gonna sit around for eight months. Like, yeah, you could have been working all along. Like, mm. I I almost think just just how profitable that needs to be precludes long sweeping narratives. Wait, here's, here's the thing though, like um, and I'll give an example for like the NFL, right? The NFL which is funny because it's like sports, like who cares? But like um, the NFL has become a year round thing. It used to just be alright, it was from whatever, August, September to January and that was it. Everyone sort of forgot about it until preseason the next year, right? But now, I mean, every, like every month there's something. There's like, okay, well now we're getting ready for the the draft, and now we're getting we're we're watching or we're watching the NFL the, the the combine with all the kids coming out of college. Then we're getting ready for the draft. Then we're going into free agency, and we're going to see who's going to get traded or who's going to get picked up. Then then it's you know uh, training camp. Then it's like preseason, and they you know all these like organisms sort of feed off of the actual product which is the NFL or the actual season with people playing football. Sort of similar in like Song of Ice and Fire, well not Song of Ice and Fire but Game of Thrones, you've got the actual show which only runs what, like 10 episodes a season or whatever? But like in between you have so much other shit going on and the movies too, like you know Star Wars, uh, Harry Potter, um, all of these long sweeping uh, uh, franchises, even though you're waiting for that movie, you're you're getting your fill of the board game and then the TV show or the cartoon or this or that or, or you know, an interview or, or, or whatever it is, like, the media sort of, like, fills that void because people want content and, and they want to know about what's going on or, you know, what's Daniel Radcliffe doing? What's, you know, whatever. I feel like it sort of creates its own like just takes on a life of its own basically and creates its own organism almost that's sort of living throughout the whole series. I mean even now even when Harry Potter's done um people were going crazy for that newest book and it's like a freaking what is it like a it's a 
a play, right? A play, yeah. yeah. And it's crap. I'm sure, like, I'm sure it's crap, but like people still go are going crazy for it. Um, you know, same thing with Star Wars. Like, I mean, people are just, all you need to do is go on Reddit and type in Star Wars. And how many entries? How many entries are there for Star Wars? You know what I mean? Yeah. People are continuing to talk about it. People are continuing to theorize about it. Like Game of Thrones. Everyone's just you know. I mean, people can sit and talk for for not just hours, but days and weeks and months about their theories and their fan fiction and their, you know, what they think should happen or what they think will happen. It's like, I don't know, man. I, I think I think these long sweeping, uh, these big just juggernaut franchises are are what our media wants and is and is equipped for these days. Mm. I will. I'll expand your analogy. Which I think is actually brilliant in 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 a way. You're right. Like, oh, who cares about football? But I would say the NFL is almost like like one of those like universe storylines where it's not one story a year or it's not one story period. It's twenty eight thirty. How many teams are there? Yeah, Stories every year. And, you know, if you don't care about the Cowboys, you can watch the the Chiefs or, you know, you can watch the Dolphins. And it, it's so personalized and there's so much difference in it that you can hold everyone's attention. And I will say this, just because they do slightly have the, uh, the advantage of being realistic, characters die. People retire. People, you know, get hurt. And it totally sucks, but that's the end of their storyline. Kill it. Sorry, that guy's done. I respect that in books and in media so much because plot armor with like, you know, not to pick on poor Han, but Han Solo being, you know, what, 65 years old and still being like the action hero and doing all these things that no one else can even do. And that's just a little ridiculous. Like, yeah. Well, not only that, but heroes fade away. Yeah, but but you know, but but even on top of that, they never really do fade away because um, you add on top of that the sort of celebrity factor, where like, oh, this person got a DUI, so that becomes that dominates the news cycle that day, you know, or this person like got in domestic violence with his wife and whatever, that dominates the news cycle. Like it's just so it's it doesn't even have to have anything to do with football, and people are clamoring to 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 know what's going on, you know. So it's like it's crazy, and I and I think that like that is what these media companies have tried to do with their franchises. Not you're not just getting a movie, you're getting an experience. You're you're getting a world, a universe that has a million different facets. Not just the movie, but the board game, the video game, the soundtrack, the music. Like we just talked about the Game of Thrones. Uh, uh. You know the uh, what was it? I said the news that the the, um, the concert. You know the uh, uh, you want to know you you want to know about the lives of the actors. What are they doing? You're gonna see their spinoffs or what, what shows or TV you know, movies or TV shows they're on. Uh, I mean, people are writing like you know, is there fan fiction? Are there graphic novels associated? Are there comic books? Is there? I mean, there's just so much to fold into the universe. I think that's. I mean, people people love it. People absolutely love it. So you think? Long, that, yeah, and as long as there's that consumer base for it, they, these companies are just going to continue to do that. So is that good for the consumer or good for the fiction? 
Yeah, that's my kind of my question. I think it's both. I mean, I, I mean, well, I mean, good. Or we're talking about a relative term of good. You know, I mean, I think it's, I think the, I think the fan is getting what they want, which is information all the time. You know what I mean? It's not like it was even 10, 20 years ago where you had to wait three years for the next movie to come out and you really didn't have much going on in between except some sort of like, you know, a press release from the studio that, oh yeah, we cast this guy as whatever. You know what I mean? Like there was hardly anything. Now you're getting like leaked photos, you're getting like Twitter uh, tweets from like J.J. Abrams that have like little Easter eggs in them. You're ha you know, you're getting all this other stuff that people just are clamoring for and then I think it's great for the actual franchise and the fiction because it provides an outlet and a platform to expand the actual work into all sorts of other aspects of the uh, you know of the universe basically so like you've got you know okay so what really is the story behind you know Cersei and why is she such a bitch you know i bet you there's like 30 you know 20 threads on reddit about that you know why you know just you know to bring up han so how come han is you know doing what he's doing at this age or whatever. I'm sure there's, you know, a million websites and Reddit threads on that. It, it, it just provides an expansion. Uh, it, it, like I said, it turns the property or the IP into a living, breathing thing that people are constantly interacting with and talking about. Wow. Um... Whether that's good, quote-unquote good, I don't know. But it seems like it is positive if it's getting people to talk about a good work of fiction, you know. That's it's it's almost impossible to separate like the fiction from the I don't even want to say commercial success, but from the popular appeal of the fiction. It it, it seems difficult to. I mean, I don't know. I can think of examples like I can think of like crazy long conversations about The Hobbit. Not even Lord of the Rings, but about The Hobbit that I had, especially in high school. Mm -hmm. um, probably what would be uh, ad nauseum today. But uh, that was just as like a short book, you know? And it has a huge following. But from a commercial perspective, like there's not really Hobbit land at Universal Studios. And I don't think it has quite the cultural cachet that Harry Potter does at the moment. Right, but that, but that, that conver those conversations you had, Tom, probably could have been several episodes of a podcast that people would listen to or watch. You know what I mean? Or, or a, a, a blog post that people would read and discuss, or, or a Reddit thread that people would read and discuss. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like those sort of esoteric question. Uh, you know, would Batman beat Superman? You know, those, we had those questions back when we were kids, and now someone's made it into a movie. You know what I mean? Like that people are constantly talking about. Um, so it's, I feel like it's a melding of technology with the need for us as consumers to consume everything about everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, uh. Yeah, I, I think that there's a definite cultural value to the discussion that results and to the yeah, the universe that kind of, or the metaverse or whatever you want to call it, that grows up around certain intellectual property and, and certain stories. Um, but as works of fiction, does length 
does does fiction improve or degrade with length, or does it really just depend? Like just works of fiction, you know, on their own, even out, even separating the the really good case you made for the value in the in the fandom, let's say. Uh, or is it kind of a just a kind of neutral, totally or yeah, totally subjective? Yeah, you probably have to go case by case. You yeah, know, this okay. artist with this topic would do well short. This artist with this topic would do well medium. Yeah. Um, commercially, I think that the short, though the one and done, has less to milk. You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, like, I, for example, I think Harry Potter, like, it was, what, seven films or books or however many it was? I mean, it was quite a long... Eight films. Eight? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was eight films. Correct, yeah. It went for, it had a really long run, and it has a huge fan base of who were once kids, people who grew up with it, who are now young adults, and they'll probably impart a love of it to their children. But it's right. done. Like, it's done. Like, when these people who now are probably getting ready to have children who grew up with Harry Potter, um, when their children reach a certain age, like, or, or when they have children down the road, like, they could keep re- referencing the same old stuff. But at a certain point, that footage of Daniel Radcliffe and the gang at Universal Studios starts to look dated. And mm-hmm. there's nothing for the new generation. And I know we've discussed this in the past. Star Wars, like these new movies, like I love them, but they're not really for us. They're like for the kids today. And, well, Harry Potter is doing the same thing, though. They're doing well, they're, more and more. Well, just that play. They're just doing that play, and then Rowling's like, I'm done. I'm not doing any more after this. No, so, she's talking about the other schools. There's a school in North America, and they're still they're still working on the Fantastic Beast movie. That's Harry Potter. I mean, that's really see. I'm hearing conflicting things because I, what you're saying is what I thought was the case, Brian. But then I just heard this thing recently where Rowling's just like, okay, that's it. Like, well, so maybe she just meant Harry's story. I believe she meant Harry's story, and I kind of thought she meant maybe she was letting go of it. Like I've I've never heard her say like I have to be in creative control of everything that happens. Okay. Well, maybe that w- I would be okay with that if capable uh, successors took over and, and carried the franchise forward. Um, yeah, like, I, I, guess what I guess my point is, if, 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 you, if you're correct, then that, that, that sort of makes this a non-issue, but it would seem almost a waste to have written such a long, sprawling story in what seems to be a very compelling universe just to be like, all right, done, done here, when, yeah, I could totally see other schools of magic being discussed and and so on. So, um, talking about a case by case basis, I think Harry Potter works best in a in an expansive universe. This is much more niche. M- maybe some people won't be able to relate to it, but um, do you remember when we were kids and we were reading like the like the trash fiction of the age, uh, Dragonlance, and especially Forgotten Realms? Trash fiction? What? Yes, I do. Yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I loved them, but there were plenty of stories that, like, not a single, uh, not a single repeating character, not a single repeating town, not a single repeating theme. Like, they were just all different stories by different authors set in a common setting. I loved that. I loved that because you could kind of do anything. But it's still, like, it had this mystique. Like, even if it didn't really, like, fit, like, oh, it's the same world. Oh, it's the other side of the country. Of course it's different. Oh. Mm. 
So you're you're that that's a vote for the universe. That's for a vote for the common setting, in other words. Common setting, but also like write a story about a character. Character's done. Mm-hmm. Got you, got you. Right, don't drag it out. Okay. So you can have the you can have both really. You can have the uh, benefits of something that's like atomic and contained and succinct, um, and uh, benefit from like the the world building just by telling individual stories. So Harry Potter in the Harry Potter verse, you could see that going forward actually, right? Yeah, I'd love that actually. Just imagine if there were like. I, I don't know, five or ten schools. And maybe there was, like, an all-girls school, and you had, you know, preteen, like, high drama fiction from there. Or maybe there's, an, a, you know, a, a school in the middle of, you know, Europe somewhere, and it was very, not set medieval, but acting medieval. Like, that was just their mythos. Like, no flying cars, you know... No voodoo buses at all. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You paint a you paint an interesting picture there, or an interesting possibility, I guess I should say, right? What do you think, Cam? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I just, I just want to. I think it's just going to get. I think it's just going to continue and just get, you know. More, like bigger and bigger, you know. And I mean, especially, I mean, if you want to talk about Harry Potter, I and mean, I think, I think Brian, you and I were talking about it in the last episode. Like, I mean, I can't see them not making more movies. You know what I mean? I, 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 I can't see them not driving a Brinks truck up to J.K. Rowling's house and just being like, "Look, you need to write another book, <laughs> or, or or you need to come up with another like, a, it need, we need to make another movie, another screenplay." Or, or yeah, just just let go of it. Look, Hogwarts yeah. is yours. Let us just give you shit tons of money and let you know. Fuck, let let George Martin write a book. I mean, yeah. Oh Lord, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Sanderson, he's doing everything else. I mean, yeah. well, Lucas sold Star Wars for what? Two? What was it? Two billion or four, four billion? billion, dude. Four billion. One point one, I think. Yeah, I mean, Harry Potter's got to be worth at least that. You know. Yeah. Tom and I have discussed this for a long time. Harry Potter is worth that right now. I don't know if it will be in 30 years. Right. Right. If it's left to kind of wither on the vine, its value will contract and it could possibly be revived. They, down the they line. better strike. Yeah. Yeah. You think so? Because, I mean, like, I don't know, man. I, I mean, Star Wars only got bigger and bigger and bigger as the nostalgia factor set in. I feel like the less you give, the more people want. So like if it, if you sort of like it went through a lull for say like ten like I mean just look just look at this I mean how long was it before Deathly Hallows came out what three or four years ago you know and people were clamoring for this newest book think about if if it was like ten or fifteen years I mean people would be going nuts to get to get their hands on a new book or, or a movie maybe I'm jaded but like we we have this glut of amazing series right now. Like, I, I don't think people... N- name really solid sci-fi from the mid-80s that's not Star Wars, Star Trek. 
Of course we were nostalgic. Battlestar, Battlestar. That was 70s, though. Battlestar was 70s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. But, But again, that glut, though, a lot of that glut is spawned from the 70s and 80s stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think Shatner even just came out, one of the news stories I was going to do, but I, I ended up not doing it. Shatner basically came out and says that he thinks that Star Star Trek was spawned from Star Wars, which made everyone go fucking batshit crazy. You know, all the Trekkers got upset with him or whatever. Um, they all borrow from each other. They all sort of are inspired by each other, you know. All the new guys now, Scott Siegler, those guys, they're all... You know, they're all, they're all you know, Tolkien, Martin, uh, you know, addicts or whatever. And, and so, and then the people that are reading them now are going to be, you know, uh, influenced by them. So I think it's just sort of a self-perpetuating cycle. Hmm. But to your point, I will say, Brian, that I mean, there are a lot of series. Now, a lot of series that people don't even really talk about or know about, like uh, The Magicians. Uh, Sci-fi, that, right? That's like a TV. That's a TV show, but that's a great book series. You know what I mean? Like Lev, I think it was Lev Goldstein or something like that, uh, or Lev Grossman, I think something like that. He, uh, uh, that it's a great book series, and they turn it into a TV show. That I haven't seen the TV show, but I read the books. The books are great. Mistborn. I mean, we know about Mistborn, but like, how many people outside of like pretty nerdy circles like know about Mistborn? Yeah. But then, like, they just like. There, I, I was actually shocked that I didn't even know this was coming out, but there's a Mistborn board game that was at Gen Con this year. I was like walking by and I was like, Mistborn? And then like, I was like, is this the damn... And they're like, yeah, it's from the books. And I was like, holy crap. So like, it's just like all retreads, all reboots, and on top of that, it's all this new stuff that's spawned by the retreads and the reboots. you know, Or the stuff that's being retreaded and rebooted. Um, so I think those... Re- those, those so my point is that I think those those transcendent franchises, like Harry Potter, uh, uh, you know, Star Wars or whatever, I think all the other stuff is just sort of filler until you get your fix for these next, for the big franchises, if that makes Could sense. Could be. At least that, that, that's what it was for me, you know? Like, I, I'm, I've read all these other books and, 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 you know, gotten into these other franchises because what else is there? What else was there after... You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, you, you're you're there to get your fix, and yeah, I see what you're saying. They're, they're sort of gap fillers, the, the lesser franchises, if you will. Um, right, and that, that that's not to take anything away from them or say they're not good. They're they're good. They're great, but they're not they're not transcendent. You know what I mean? They're not the bookend. They're not the bookends. They're they're what goes yeah. in between, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your, your points taken. And uh, with regard to the pent up demand, yeah, we might see Harry Potter go on a little bit of a hiatus, just enough to build up of like nostalgia to a critical level. Maybe, but I'm not. Part of me thinks like that. The people that want to keep the money, the, the sorry, people that want to keep the money. Pumps just pumping out cash are going to be like, no, 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 no. We got to keep this. We got to keep milking this cash cow. We got investments here. Um, oh, for sure. So I'm not sure. I think Star Wars was a different animal. It was a different time. It was controlled by a single individual who just wasn't feeling it. 
was sitting on a pile of cash. It was off doing other stuff. Um, now I think there's probably more interests involved who are ready at any moment to back that Brinks truck up to Rowling's, uh, flat or wherever she lives in Britain. Just like, yeah, here's, here's all the cash you want. Well, hell, we'll, we'll, we'll undo the Brexit if you want. Whatever you want, please. Just give us the, <laughs> give us more. But that's all I've got to give. I don't know if we should give any more. This has been a good, long episode. And whether or not its length is appropriate will be determined, I think, by its numbers. Yes. I think, I think we're, I'm, I'm, I'm tapped. Yeah, me too. Anything else, Brian, you want to add? No. Always a fan of brevity. We should just like end the episode there, <laughs> but we won't. Yeah, right. It's just a scene <laughs> cut. No, I will say though. Um, I just as we were sort of talking, I just saw popped up in my newsfeed. Um, did Did you see the Disney main? What, what is it? The the what's that light parade they do every night? Oh the yeah, the, ma- the Main Street Electrical Parade. Yeah, it's going yeah, they're away. Ending it. They're ending it. And what? I'm, yeah. Yes. That's like terrible. that's like saying they're tearing down the castle. That's like really stupid to me. Yeah. Yeah. They're in a space mountain. It's run its course. We're going to put in, like, Frozen Mountain instead or something. Yeah. And I have to give a shout-out, since we've been talking about this, I have to give a shout-out to my companion, who actually sat with me yesterday and today and watched all three of the Lord of the Rings movies. Ooh, the extended ones? Yes. Whoa! And she actually really liked them, which is good. So I'm I'm pretty happy. I told her she leveled up on her nerd. Yeah. (laughs) Nerd cred. Yeah, she definitely, she definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, congrats to her. Congrats to you guys on your building your future together. Yes. And uh, grats to anybody who checks us out on the weekly in iTunes, Stitcher, or through Google Play Music because you have not only got your nerd card stamp, you have proven that you... Uh, have lived just long enough. <laughs> I don't know. Try to, try to work some kind of a like thing in there. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, add us to your Google circle, and join the Nerd Stravaganza HQ group on Facebook. Scribble your way on over to nerdstravaganza.com and check out our website and all of its uh, amazing content that you can consume. Uh, check us out on YouTube where we find all of our video content and you can watch anything you'd like. Uh, we are quite a sweeping narrative. Uh, we're at what are we, episode 223. I think that yeah. would qualify as a sweeping yeah. narrative. Uh, and send us an email at nerdstravaganza at gmail.com. And with all that said, Brian, take us away. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. The end. Isn't that from that like that massively long novel? I hope so. Tale of Two Cities. What is it? Is it it's, it's Tale of Two it Cities, right? Two. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like such an uncultured tool when I get stuff like that wrong. You got the gist of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very long book. So I've been told. <laughs> <laughs>